It's hard to believe that over the five years of running this travel podcast, Lizette Austin is our first repeat guest. Hey, Financially Savvy Travelers, I'm Danielle Desir Corbett, and welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast, where travel and personal finance go hand in hand like chocolat and croissants. All right, y'all, I just got back from Paris. So bread is clearly on my mind today and every day for the foreseeable future. (laughs) All right, so I'm really excited for this episode because it is the first time we're gonna be talking about DNA travel, ancestry travel, or heritage travel. There's quite a few names for it, but here's the question for you for today. So what does it look like to travel based on your ancestry, to actually go and see where you're from, to discover your roots? Many say that being at the place where their great-grandparents were from, for example, has a profound effect on their lives. They feel more connected knowing their ancestral homeland. If you've ever wanted to trace the footsteps of your ancestors and travel to the places where your people lived, worked, and called home, today you're in for a treat. Lizette Austin joins us to share how she's pursuing DNA travel, or it's also called heritage travel or ancestry travel, basically traveling to places like Sicily, Italy to connect with her ancestry and aspects of her family's history and genealogy. If Lizette sounds familiar, that's because she joined us back in episode 59. Yes, 59 for a listener's favorite points and miles deep dive where Lizette shares how she saved over $110,000 in travel costs by travel hacking. I'll have the link to that episode in the show notes. Plus, I've created a Spotify playlist of podcast episodes every financially savvy traveler should listen to. This playlist features our top episodes that encompass how to creatively afford traveling the world with over nine hours of content to binge listen to and enjoy. As always, each episode of this podcast is accompanied by a blog post so you can read along or refer back to it by visiting thoughtcard.com. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Lizette, it has been quite a while. You're actually the first guest I'm having as a repeat. You were on the podcast back in episode 59, and we are approaching close to episode 140. So it's been a little while. But in that episode, I love that you shared how you had saved over $110,000 in travel costs due to earning points and miles and travel hacking. So that was great. But it's been a couple of years. So give us a quick life update. What are you working on and how have you been? 
Okay. Well, Danielle, it's so great to be back. Thanks for having me back. That's exciting. You know, how many episodes it's been since then. Loving what you're doing. So yeah, thanks for having me back. Life update. Let's see. Where we last left off. I Actually, when was that? Was that pre-pandemic? I think it was. I think I ha- it was pre-pandemic. I believe pre-pandemic. it was pre-pandemic because I feel like, you know, we've all been through some weird time vortex. But anyway... I don't think at that point I was at this place where I am now of really wanting to do more DNA travel. I know we're going to talk about that, but that's been the biggest life update is my new focus. Since we also last spoke, I have saved more money on travel. I think I'm up to like a hundred and I don't know, 35,000 or 40,000. Part of that, it would have been more, but you know, wasn't really traveling as much there for a little while, but I am still travel hacking. Since we last spoke, I also in, let's see, it would have been February of last year, I ended up leaving a part-time position I had at the University of Washington doing some web design work in order to specifically take a travel sabbatical and focus on DNA travel. I also stopped doing freelance web design for a bit. I really wanted to focus on collecting audio and traveling, but I also stopped producing the Globetrotter Lounge podcast at that point, the podcast where I was interviewing women who have found creative ways to travel more, put that on hold. So I really was putting a pin in a lot of things to take this maybe two-year sabbatical, I was thinking, and get out there and experience a lot. I wanted to go to the places my ancestors were from. So then I actually ended up having an unexpected health situation come up mid-year last year. So I did not travel as much as I planned. I did hit a couple really important trips, but it was kind of a blessing. I would say if you're going to have health issues come up, why not have them come up when you have the ability to not work? You've already set aside time to not work. So I did a lot of self-care. I also took the time to really think about what I wanted to do. There's been a lot percolating and a lot happening kind of in a bit of like a creativity, I don't know, incubator going on. And health issues also kind of slow you down and make you really think about what's the most important thing because you can't do everything. You just can't. So I think that has been a big piece of recent life updates for me. I have gotten back to more travel. I'm feeling better. I'm getting better. It's going to be, you know, something I think I'm going to have to have In my life, this health issues, a chronic thing, it's not going to really go anywhere. So I'm learning how to travel with, you know, extra self-care, but I'm doing it. And yeah, I think those are the big points. Those are huge points. Those are huge and amazing points. So a lot of questions to ask you. Are you still in the sabbatical phase right now? I am. I was picking up some web design work which I am, I'm doing a little bit right now. And for a minute, thought I would really dive back in in a big way, but I'm not doing that. So I'd say I'm in a semi-sabbatical, but still mostly prioritizing creative pursuits and DNA travel as the main focus. So walk us back to when you discovered that you wanted to focus in on DNA travel and what that even is if people aren't aware of this term DNA travel? So I remember, and again, not sure when episode 59 of your podcast came out, but (laughs) in 2019, I remember going to, I believe it was WITS. And 
Who was speaking? Michaela Malazzi was talking about DNA travel at that. It was in Portland, Maine. Weren't we in Portland, Maine? You were there. And I was presenting about podcasting. I was thinking about traveling. I'd always wanted to go, for example, to the African continent and go to different African countries because, of course, it's like the motherland, like I need to go there. And I definitely had interest in going to Italy because I did know that I came from an Italian family. And so I had this sense already of wanting to go places that I know my DNA is from. And I'd actually joined Ancestry in order to pinpoint where my DNA was from in Africa. And then I saw Michaela Malazzi speak and I was like, okay, DNA travel. Like she was talking about it. It was a top travel trend in 2019. She did an episode of Bare Feet, her show about dancing around the world on DNA travel. In other words, she went to places that were represented in the ethnicity estimates of her DNA testing results on Ancestry and probably also in 23andMe. I think she did both. And I, at that point, was on both of those same DNA testing platforms. And as an adoptee, my having done that led to some very interesting twists and turns, including finding my biological Black family, which I think also happened since we last spoke. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But that happened in 2020, right at March, right around that fun month of 2020 that I successfully located that family. So then my urge to do DNA travel increased as I gained more and more information, knowledge about where specific ancestors were actually from. Now I knew an entire line or two lines, three lines of family that I had never even heard about. Now I actually knew names. I knew where they were from, like Arkansas, leading back to South Carolina into slavery. Then it became even more of a passion. So I guess DNA travel really, the way I've heard it described is, again, going to places around the world that you see reflected in your DNA. So that's what I'm doing. Yes. Okay. So with DNA travel, where did you start? You mentioned some sites for DNA testing, but is that the beginning? And for folks who are interested in embarking in DNA travel, where does it all start? Yeah, good question. Because I think you could also call it, I've heard it called heritage travel. I've heard it called genealogical travel, probably a few other terms. I don't think you have to start by doing DNA testing. If you already have a real interest in genealogy and you, or even just family stories, you just know, hey, we're from Ireland, we're from County Cork, whatever, or we're from, you know, Georgia, and you want to just go there. You know, my aunts and uncles are from there. My grandparents are from there. I don't think you have to get completely into DNA testing. I do think there is something, though, going on clearly in the world right now with DNA testing. And of course, people are finding out when they get tested with all the consumer testing options out there. They're often finding out that it's not what they thought, not what their family said, that there are actually surprises, some very intense, of course, <laughs> it can be very earth-shattering to find out some pretty major family secrets. But even on a more mild level, people are still finding out like, wait, I thought we were Armenian, but really we don't have any of that. But we're finding out we're actually French or we're finding out we are Native American or we're not Native American. You know, I've heard that a lot. So I think it is an interesting place to start if you're willing to do that, because then also you get the pretty map of your ethnicity estimates and you get this visual of all these places around the world and you do get these interesting surprises. There's a lot of information on ancestry of 
migration patterns of people from that area they're from. It's just an interesting place to start because it from there you can build research and start looking and then bring in, of course, family members, talk about it, try to see if it all makes sense. I just think it adds more depth to it, but you don't have to do that. You could just say, look, I'm good with what I know. You know, interview your family members. If you have elders, talk to them, get stories, and then go to the places where the stories happened. Because I think there's something about being in the places where it happened that makes it very different than hearing about something. How are you retracing their footsteps, your ancestors' footsteps? I know for me, my family is from Haiti. And I started a couple of years ago, I was really interested in my genealogy and my family tree. And I would interview my grandparents. And I think we were able to get back maybe like four generations from him. So that was great. But at a certain point, there's no one else, right? All the people that they're referencing have passed and they're no longer here. So what are some of the types of roadblocks that you've encountered as you are tracing back your lineage and learning more about your roots? So I will say again, that's one benefit of DNA testing is that clearly, you know, if we're going to talk about Black history in our country and even going to Haiti, anywhere the African diaspora happened and slavery happened, you're going to hit this wall. You're going to hit this point where people become property and you can't get names and further information. And then, of course, like you said, they're also just people, maybe the stories haven't been handed down. And there's a certain point where you kiss can't go past in your oral history and your family. But then even if you go to the records, you can't find more. So I think the DNA testing is great. Like I said, I did that to at least get a hint or an idea. I mean, sure, West Africa, if it's slavery, it's probably West Africa. But really, I've done testing with African ancestry, for example, and they specifically said, well, I had to have my biological father test. I won't get into the the nitty-gritty scientific details, but there had to have been a woman from Sierra Leone, a Mende or Temne woman from Sierra Leone in his maternal line. So there had to have been a woman from there. So where the family history pewters out, where barriers, major barriers, like in my story of slavery where that seems to just completely cut off the trail back, DNA testing can at least give you more to go by. So I can go to Sierra Leone. I won't know exactly where my ancestor was from, but it makes sense because my enslaved people were in South Carolina and there was definitely, they were pulling from Sierra Leone because they were rice people and they were working the rice in South Carolina. So makes sense. So it's amazing if you can bring in DNA testing, it will help with some of the roadblocks, but you are going to find genealogical roadblocks, especially as a Black person in this country, most likely, unless you know your people were from, you know, they emigrated here later and you've got all the details. Great. But if they came here because of slavery, well, then you have to do the best you can. And I recommend DNA testing for that. Okay. That's interesting because what I know in terms of my Haitian roots, like there is missing paperwork, right? There's huge families, missing paperwork. So very quickly, it was a struggle with trying to find birth certificates, which could be forged and the dates could change and then immigration. So there's just a lot. (laughs) There's a lot. So what is fueling your passion? Is it curiosity? Is it the history? Is it the note taking? Are you creating like a book or do you have like a a family tree? What are you doing with all of this rich 
history that you are uncovering on a daily basis now. Right. So clearly it's a lot of information that's been coming at me, especially since the last few years, since beginning of 2020. And I think part of what I'm doing is trying to integrate because again, it's very rich for people who aren't adoptees, right? Like just to create a tree to then start poking around. I do have a huge tree. I have actually quite a few trees. I have many trees. I don't know. I may have like 14 because I did research trees because that's how also I found people. But anyway, I'm now trying to create one big tree of all my lines together. And so there's that. I'm doing that for my, you know, my son and just for like posterity. Actually, my biological family, both sides are like, wow, you're like the family historian now, which I didn't mean to be. But what fueled that is my adoptee experience of not knowing being a closed adoption in 1970. I did not know anything. And so I didn't realize how much I was missing. So part of my passion is fueled by just this curiosity. Yes, I feel like a lot of adoptees are like, once we get to know something, it's like we can't stop wanting to know. It's like having been really thirsty and you didn't know, and then you finally have a drink of water and you're like, oh my God, I'm so thirsty. So I'm just driven by that kind of need to know. Also, I was just writing in my journal about this, about when you start doing real genealogy and you just start, sometimes you'll see a little fact or a date or a place and you'll think, whoa. And for whatever reason, it leads you down some little trail and you start to think about the person, not just as this placeholder name and a date and one of the brothers of whoever, and they're just in the tree. All of a sudden they kind of start to become alive and you realize this is a person And there's so many people in my tree, right? But for whatever reason, you're like, whoa, this person died in the other pandemic, you know, the one in 19, whatever, 15 or whatever it is. And then the more you open that story up, I think that's another thing that drives me is just the stories themselves. Because then all of a sudden you're like, my God, just imagining them in that time, in that place, living their life. And now they're just gone, right? But they lived their whole life or a short life or whatever life they had. And it's your ancestor. They are part of who you are. Like you're part of them. And it becomes a little addictive, I want to say, or just... So what I'm doing is, yeah, I have a lot of stories coming at me and I'm writing them down. I'm thinking of writing a book. I'm sort of using different creative writing tools or techniques right now. I've also done poetry my whole life. So I'm doing some poetry. I'm doing some essays. I'm trying to see how I can do this. I I could probably write about four books because, you know, there's different threads going on here. But I'm also really interested in audio still, having podcasted. And I'm really interested in narrative podcasting. And I really feel that I could maybe best tell some of these stories in audio vignettes. I'm not sure if I'll create one massive like podcast with multiple episodes or if I'm just going to try to put audio stories out there. But I do have my Substack newsletter where I am going to be hopefully creating more and more sound bites from the road, I call them. So this is where I'm at. I'm creating, I'm gathering, I'm a little confused because of all the threads going on, but I'm just determined to keep at it until more and more clarity rises. I was just lost this morning on the story of my granduncle Anthony Camarda, who died in World War II. Now I'm reading books about the 316th troop carrier group. Uh, He was on the 44th squadron. I'm like, am I really reading about World War II soldiers right now? But I am because he died at 22 and I'm trying to... Anyway, it's a thing. Yes. Okay. So another question I have is 
the tools and resources that you're using to tap in? How important is technology? Are there any apps you recommend? Tell us all the things. All the things. Well, clearly Ancestry is like my main driving force here because if you're trying to find people, Ancestry is the biggest database. So if you're actually trying to track down, say you want to go places too, I think that if you get on Ancestry, you're going to match with a bunch of cousins. They may be super distant, but they might live in those places. People are living in the same places, some of them, you know, the descendants. So a good example is I met a woman who matched with me and I had an error in my tree. And then when I realized my error and I saw the name... I started searching in my matches for that same last name. And then I met this woman and we talked. And because of her, she said, well, you should be in this Piana group. It's the name of the town, Piana Deli Albanese. And because of that, Facebook, so that's another tool. So I start with Ancestry, now plug in Facebook. As much as I've been annoyed with Facebook, it's very helpful for this type of research. Then I got on that group and then that opened the doors to all kinds of connections. And now I'm in this group where, you know, we're talking about the town. I'm learning about things to do. I ended up with a guide there when I went there. So I think Ancestry is really good because there's so many people. 23andMe is also good. Other things I use, I'm using audio recording devices, you know, as I travel. I have a Zoom recorder. I also use, I have a really great little mic. Oh, shoot. I don't remember what it is. I think it's a Shure mic. Yeah. S-H-U-R-E. And it's just a little itty bitty mic that you stick into your iPhone. It's great because it's not very obtrusive and it does an amazing job. So I'm using that if you're wanting to record, even if you're not a podcaster and not obsessed with audio like I am, hey, it's easier to record somebody telling you a story about the family history than to write it all down. So I just think that's a really important thing to do. And you can just have the files on your phone. I have an iPad that I use a lot because I'm collecting photos and I have like a project iPad. I just put everything on my iPad I also, you know, all the travel apps are handy, right? Rome to Rio, like all the ones you already know about. Rome to Rio, though, really, I'm like, hmm. Let's see, what else? I don't know. Those are kind of the main ones, I guess, right now. Just all the travel things, right? Do you have any, like, family tree sites that you use that you, like, plug names in? I know in the past I've used some... Or do you have a canvas in your house that you're just like, you know, writing (laughs) names on the wall? (laughs) No, I'm using Ancestry for that too. So Ancestry, a lot of people use it without DNA matching. You just use it to build trees. It's one of the, there's a bunch of them. There's like family tree, family tree DNA. I use this one. I'm just blanking on all of them. I'll think of some right in a minute, but there are quite a few. I like Ancestry though, and I'm used to it, but there's people who love the other ones. They're like, oh yeah, no, this is the one, you know, but I like Ancestry because I also did test in there so I can link my DNA to my family tree and it adds a lot more. I mean, you can find everything in there in a lot of these platforms, right? Like you could look up records that just pop up, they give you hints and you're finding all kinds of certificates and things from the past. I don't even know how people did this before. (laughs) People have been doing genealogy a long time. It was a lot of work. And you still have to go places, even though Ancestry is amazing, even though these other tree building sites are amazing and so much has been digitized, so much has not been digitized. So you still need to be aware that you're going to also, this isn't a technology, but this is another reason to travel. If you're into genealogy, you're going to need to go to the courthouses and the archives sometimes to just find a trace of what you're looking for. And a good friend of mine, I have a genealogy buddy, Kelly McCoy. She just got back from an amazing trip. She went to Kansas City and then outside of around Kansas City and the rural areas near there. And 
she dug up some records that she had never seen before, knew about before some of her ancestors. And she was like in tears, you know, because it was just so powerful to see the names, to see the marriage certificates and, and see the names of her ancestors there and be able to know more information. So that's not really a technology, but it's something you're going to need to do. It's old school technology. <laughs> Go and get into those places and look for old records. Which is very valid, right? We think things are going to be all in the app. Everything is 2023 version. But it's important to know that you may have to actually go to these locations. So I have two more questions. One question about affordability in particular, because we are half travel, half personal finance, and we want to uncover how are you planning these journeys and where is the money coming from? Or are you still travel hacking to make these all things possible? Yes. Well, I am still travel hacking. And yeah, affordability is a real issue. And I think when I first was going to do this, I was able to, I had my adoptive father had passed away and I had inherited a small amount of money that allowed me, it was sort of like saving up. So some people save up, maybe you have a, a small inheritance or maybe you sell your house. So, you know, we've heard of people doing things like that. And I think in my case, it was that kind of experience where I had a pot of money, a small pot of money that I was designating for this. But even then I couldn't afford to just do whatever I wanted because especially if I'm not working, right? So I still needed to have other ways to support this. And so for me, the travel hacking has sort of never stopped. I still have a million. I was just checking. I have like a million 250,000. In 2021, I had 2 million when I started traveling again. So I've already been booking and using some of those, but I'm still opening cards right now. I just opened some the other day. Hilton. Anyway, so I am definitely utilizing miles and points. I am tapping into this savings I have, but I'm still using also income streams. I'm not completely, as I mentioned, I'm still doing some work. I'm doing web design. You know, I have a husband, he works, that helps. And I also have some passive income that comes from client annual maintenance of their websites. It's not totally passive, but I'm just saying it's money that just rolls in every year that I can count on. So I do pull from that. I also am still involved in different organizations, places I've worked over the years. So I get invited to go be part of trainings where I'm one of the trainers and I get income from that. I have my online course for teaching how to travel hack. I get some income from that. So I feel that it also helps to have diverse income streams so that if you're not in a traditional job, I don't know, I've kind of set that up over the years. I've always side hustled forever since like the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> so it's that's one benefit of getting older too. Like you just rack up more experiences and the more you do things, the more people want you to help them out. Still keep you going. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. My last question is what is next? Where are you going to next based off of your family tree and your lineage? Right. So next up... Well, I was going to say, I'm going to D.C., but that's for a writer's workshop. It's really cool. But that's not part of my... Well, kind of. It's my related. Adoptive. It's related yeah, it's to related. documentation. It's yeah. related. And actually, my adoptive dad was always in D.C. so And he loved New York. So I'm going to do those two things. But anyway, and then I'm actually going to Spain. Again, not in my bloodline, but I'm doing a writing workshop retreat. Okay, let's see. I'm going to Arkansas. I've been trying to get to Arkansas for quite a while and go to the historical, the place where the historical black towns were, where the sharecroppers lived in my family after slavery. And of course, there's sort of nothing there now. People are like, why are you going there? There's no one left. 
But I still, again, want to go to the places. And my biological uncle's going with me. He wants to, he was born there. He hasn't been back. Well, he's been back a few times, but, you know, he hardly ever goes anymore. My grandmother was born there. So I'm going to go there. I'm also got to get to Ireland because that got canceled twice. The first time I had fully booked trip in March of 2020, I had to cancel. Then last year I had to cancel for health issues. So third time's the charm, I hope. Kelly and I, my genealogy buddy and I, are looking at Africa trips. I was supposed to go to Rwanda. That whole trip got postponed. It wasn't our fault. It was an organized trip. But we're planning a West African trip of multiple countries. So hopefully we'll be definitely flying into Senegal. I want to get to Sierra Leone. I may also go on a Sierra Leonean trip with African ancestry. They offer what they call reunion trips, and they'll take you there. And what's interesting is Sierra Leone's the first country to offer citizenship based on your DNA results as long as it's through approved DNA platforms, African ancestry being one of them. And so I could go there and get citizenship. Let's see. I plan to go to Albania. Yeah, but booked is DC and Spain. Arkansas is in full planning stages. There'll be some Texas in there. That's where I'm at right now. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of exciting adventures. Okay, I'm going to sneak this last question in there because I feel like as you're tracing these footsteps, you're also creating your own footsteps as well. Are you thinking about your legacy, documenting? I know we all document on social media, but like more intentional so that other generations to come can find you and learn more about your personal story. Yeah, I don't know. I certainly have thought of it in terms of documenting and sharing so that other, in a more narrow focus, other adoptees can relate and feel some inspiration to maybe go to places like this and also regain parts of themselves that they felt felt they would never find. But then just generally from there, it widens out, like really encouraging people to look to their own families and hidden stories. I think as a culture, I don't know, in, in the United States or just maybe in modern times, we don't do the work of the griots that they used to do, you know, where you know and you can recite your family lineage and like recite stories. And I feel like I want to be part of that movement of like, look, it's important to know where we come from. And it's important to remember whose shoulders we stand on and that we all can experience the history of our country and the world through our own ancestral lines. Like it's not something you just go study in school. You actually, we all just by being able to recite our own family history, we are connecting to the past and that will influence the future because if we hand that off to the future generations, they also can hopefully learn from what went on in the past in a more personal way, not just, okay, kids, it's time for class. It's like, no, my great, 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 you know, was part of this war or was enslaved or, you know, so I think I would like to be an example of that, how many stories we encompass within our own lines and lineage. And then, yeah, for my family members, because again, I've had bio family say that, you know, like, whoa, we did not even know any of this. And people have gotten really interested. And so hopefully they're going to pass that down to their kids, you know. So that's what I'd like to leave is just the sense that we all can do this and maintain our stories and history and pass them down to our kids and nieces and nephews and whoever else in our family. 
All right, Lizette. It's very powerful and, and definitely has me reflecting. I have to call my grandpa tonight and ask him to tell me some stories. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let us know how we can connect with you and definitely let us know about your newsletter because that's a great, great place that you're creating amazing content and sharing so many of your stories. Yeah. So I am on social media, although I go through long spurts of not posting as much because I'm sort of traveling and creating and writing and stuff, but Jet Set Lizette on Instagram. And my newsletter, if you go to travelingmyroots.com, there's some pretty big, I think at the top is like newsletter. And then as you scroll down, you'll see places to sign up for the newsletter. It's basically a Substack newsletter. You can also look on Substack for Traveling My Roots, but you can sign up there and... I have writing that I'm posting there. And like I said, sound bites from the road. I don't, it's not like I'm going to bombard you with emails all the time, but that's a good way to stay connected. Yeah, those are kind of the main points. Now I'm on Twitter, but you'll laugh if you go there because I tweet like once a year. You'll be like, what is she even on here for? What's going on? I just look at you tweeting, Danielle, pretty much. I get on there, I'm like, what is Danielle up to? <laughs> It's a great way to connect with me personally. <laughs> yeah, it's right? a great way to connect with you. <laughs> and then I know what's going on, but I'm not tweeting much. Yeah. And I'm on Facebook, but again, not as active there. So I'd say right now, LinkedIn too. You can find me Lizette Austin on LinkedIn and a lot of my projects are uh, there. And also I will just say that the last six or so episodes of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, which is still up and out there, talks a lot about all those episodes are about what I'm doing. So if you're interested in genealogy, if you're interested in Black genealogy specifically, if you're interested in how do I organize a genealogy trip, if you're interested in curated kind of historical trips, people are planning those kinds of things. Listen to those episodes because I interview a lot of interesting people. I even inter interviewed the person who started African Ancestry. So we talk about DNA testing, all the things about basically what I'm doing now. I managed to kind of sneak into my last season of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. And you can find that at jetsetlizette.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Globetrotter Lounge. Absolutely. And I'll make sure to leave all of the links in the show notes and the accompanying blog post. That's all for now, Fanny Savvy Travelers. I'll see you in the next one.